Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. You know, you do all the work to hunt an animal. You do all the work to chase an animal, and it all comes down to one moment. You know, why would you take that risk of letting your bow or your machine fail you? You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Lee. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to take a minute to let y'all know a few things before we get to the episode. Make sure you're subscribed and following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, if you want to support the show, there's two things you can do that would really help us out. One, of course, leaving the podcast a nice review goes a long way and helps people find us. And if you leave us a five-star review, screenshot it, and send it to us via email, we'll send you a free Ozark podcast sticker in the mail just to say thanks. The second thing you can do to support the show is to go check out our Patreon website. The link is in the show notes, and we've got lots of cool stuff for y'all over there. If you sign up for the White River Club, you'll be able to watch the raw and uncut full-length video episodes with each of our guests. You'll get exclusive discounts on all of our merch, and we'll send you a new and unique Ozark-inspired sticker every single month. On top of that, we'll even give you a shout-out on our next episode. So there's lots of stuff there for y'all to interact with us and for us to interact with you. And of course, always feel free to reach out. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle on the mic, as always, Mr. Adam Treese, as usual. And tonight, we've got Inland co-founder and our beloved producer and bartender, Daniel Lane Matthews. What's up, guys? What's going on, fellas? Lane. That's your middle name? Oh, yeah. We're sitting here. We're back at Adam's house in Tawnytown, and um, we're going to keep it casual tonight. What we really wanted to do tonight is just kind of go back um, and, and look back on the last three episodes that we've released and just kind of break some of them down for you because some of them got dense, especially um, this most recent episode we did with um, Devin Hallen, owner of Ozark Archery. That's a lot of information, mm-hmm. and it's really specific to archery, um, and it's rich. It's very rich, and it's dense information. And I know Adam and I, even as guys who bow hunt, you know, listening to it, it's it's a lot to take in. And so, Daniel, as as someone, you know, you're sitting there, you're listening to the conversation, and you're not a bow hunter. What are you thinking as we're going through that that rich stuff? Well, that one specifically, I was fascinated that he honestly could have talked for two more hours on it. And, like, it, it wouldn't have been, like, knowledge that or information that wasn't useful. It would have been, mm-hmm. like, useful information. So I just specifically for him really appreciated like his detail with it and i know that some people will really appreciate that one day i hope to appreciate it but hopefully you will i thought it was um i thought it was awesome and i and i've i've heard people on youtube and online who have 
you know, some of that expertise as well who've been bow hunting for years, mm-hmm. do their own tuning, do like doing some of that work. And it was nice to actually just finally sit down with someone who had that expertise. And like, you could tell, like if, I mean, honestly, if I ever need anything for my, for my bow or need to get it tuned or I have, you know, a tear when I'm paper tuning or something like that, he's going to be the first guy I call. Cause that's exactly the guy you want. <laughs> you reached out to him, didn't you? Working on. Yeah, I did. I did. What's the process like? <clears throat> so, um, I actually need to, to send him a picture. He asked for a picture. He talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but he asked for a picture of you at full draw and, um, and I just haven't had time to, well, I have had time. I just haven't gotten my bow yeah. out and had Kinsey take a picture of me at home doing that. But, um, but anyways, we can, we can go into that a little bit later. We're just going to go through, and, and like I said, we're going to go back. We, we'll start with um, Cooper Cartmel's episode, um, talking about kind of what we learned from that. I'm curious. I'm really excited that, Daniel, that you're on the podcast because you're kind of like the, the guy who makes us accessible to like the average listener or just kind of like someone who, who likes the outdoors but has not done any home processing, hasn't done much hunting, you know, hasn't done a whole lot of um, hunting and fishing activities that that we'll probably talk about. He keeps us grounded. He does. He does. And he pulls us out of the weeds sometimes. Mm, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what you've learned, what you've taken away, um, but also Adam just kind of here as someone who mm-hmm. is more like me and we've got a similar mindset. Like we do love these things and we do a lot to, together that, you know, we like. So yeah. I'm just excited to to get into that. Yeah. I think the coolest thing about Cooper, whenever I look back and think about going out to his place and and talking to him, just the fact that there's a 25 how old is he? 25 30 year old meat processor butcher. Yeah. yeah. Like I I still just envision an 80 year old person. Yeah. It is of one meat. of those practices you and I think you might have asked him this. Like you I think you asked like did your dad like yeah, this? yeah yeah. For the purpose because like you don't meet people that young who are that skilled, who have like a successful business doing that thing, especially right. in like Huntsville. Yeah. You right. know, it seems like it's more of a trade that you would have when you're older. So yeah. that was family really business. Cool. That, yeah. That's why I asked him too, because typically, or I imagine that either his grandpa started it, his dad started it because he's already grown to be such a well-known name around that area. Um, and just to know how to cut up, mm-hmm. you know, animals and, and butcher animals. It, you'd imagine it's taken years of experience, yeah. but he just kind of started it up a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. He's just like, I mean, he said it, that was how he started it. He was like, man, I just, I've always had a thing for <laughs> butchering. I've always liked doing it, butchered my own deer, butchered my friend's deer. And I was just like, yeah, he just loves it. You can tell mm-hmm. he just, he just likes doing it. And um, he's got no problem with skinning through 25 <laughs> deer in a day. Insane. Which is insane. Is insane. Um, so yeah, it was cool just to to talk with him and his his shop out there. If anyone lives you know around Northwest Arkansas or in the Ozarks and hasn't taken a deer to Cartmel's cuz there's only a few places you can go um around here that will that do processing, but if anyone hasn't been out to his shop, it's a cool place in his office with mm-hmm. all those antlers up on the wall. He even had a snake, right? Yeah, he's got a pet snake in there. Yeah. Pretty cool. I don't remember the name. Or did he had? A, he was like, I don't think he had a name. He was like, he did not have a name. I'm pretty. That's what I thought. He was like, he said he got it for kids whenever they come in. Yeah, <laughs> just to look at. Yeah, that's funny. It's awesome. It was really clean in there. It was clean. Yeah, and I don't know the, if he keeps. I'd imagine he he keeps it that clean all the time. Um, it's got to be pretty tough to do that whenever mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the season, though. Yeah. But oh, uh, I was impressed with how clean it was. It smelled like he just cleaned it. Uh, 
which it sounds like he does it every day with his crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I didn't realize that he's got a team too. He's got, mm-hmm. which, you know, now thinking about it, knowing the number of deer that he does in a year, in a day, in the middle of, you know, rifle season, you have to have a team. Mm-hmm. Cause I would, I guess I just pictured him like in there, maybe him and his dad or his brother or somebody, um, just doing them all. But when you, when you see, the operation and how many deer are going in there. It's like, okay, yeah, makes sense. You got to have some help. Mm -hmm. Because like the sheer number of deer, if we just break down the numbers real quick, just to put into perspective, he said he does eight to 900 deer a year. And that's basically all of archery season is about five months. If you break that down per day, so that's on average six deer a day, but he's mostly getting those in the middle of a rifle season. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he even said it on the podcast, he's doing 25 to 40 deer in a single day, which just, I like, how is there even enough time? Yeah. On top of bear. On top, on of, top bear. of, I think he does some, some cattle processing. Yeah. Pork. He, he gets, um, he said he usually gets a couple elk a year, <clears throat> um, pigs, yeah, stuff like that. So. On top of him hunting as well. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a good point. And having a family, a new family, mm-hmm. like yeah, two year old. It's very impressive, dude. It is honestly like it's got to be a grind. I I wish I had asked him like, what is you know? Do you see yourself doing this for for forever? Like mm-hmm. you know, what does your off season look like? Because he kind of said it. I think we said it off air. He was talking about like yeah, he works pretty hard over the two to three months that rifle season is, but then he has a lot more time on the off season side yeah yeah i'm like yeah that's cool like what yeah do you- he usually gets his deer hunting in like september he said september october muzzle loader he says okay he, he does and then um and then archery season he said mm-hmm. he does um but then that's just so that's 900 deer but then he also does summer sausage he's also packing the meat um you know he's grinding it up he's stuffing the one pound rolls just like so much time um so for him to even be able to get to hunt is yeah. is impressive and you know that's probably like he said that's how you get into it because you do like hunting you do like processing and you know if you're not bringing home meat you you obviously aren't going to get into to butchering yeah mm-hmm. quick question then daniel after seeing that yeah. and hearing him talk about that let's say you're to go shoot your first deer this year okay would you want to try and butcher it yourself or take it to him to process for you oh um question that is a really good question so I think after that episode, I would have said I'm going to take it to him. But after a recent episode that we had, which we're not going to recap tonight, I I feel like <clears throat> if I'm really wanting to be like an outdoorsman, I I should like butcher the deer that I kill or yeah. the animal, whatever animal I kill. Right? There's that's part of the process. And like eat the heart. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, not, I'm not there yet. But I think baby it's, steps. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a <laughs> tradition, right? First deer, you you have to eat the heart. Really? First deer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do it on no, you all did my it. deer you now, <laughs> but I definitely didn't. Man, I've had heart. We've, of, we've all done it. I've had uh, duck heart before, and I I hated it. Really? There's something about it. I I've never heard of that. Really? That, that someone heart? hated it? Huh? Duck heart? That someone has eaten it? Oh, I've I didn't know that was a thing. I had oh. it. It was not very good. Uh-huh. I didn't. Maybe it was just prepared bad. Maybe. But. Um, <laughs> So I, I think it's part of the process of actually hunting. It, it doesn't end when you release the arrow or mm-hmm. shoot the gun. It's it actually I don't know when it ends actually. 
It doesn't. It doesn't actually ever end. <laughs> Dude, it's it doesn't even end like after you like eat like cook it because you probably have more that you can make. But like, um, so I would love to try mm-hmm. um, to process it. To process it, the first one especially. But if it's like I do it and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, would I would love, love to, to take see, it. Down. I would love to see you skin and gut and process a deer. I know you can do it. That's the thing. Oh, I, I don't know. I know you can do it. But I also know that that's not my really my personality. It's not, yeah, that's not really up your alley. Hey, but you know what? You got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, get better. And yeah. so, um, I would obviously have at least you and Plunkett there, yeah. to like help me. So yeah. it wouldn't just be me, like mm-hmm. oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do with this, <laughs> yeah. this I, animal? <laughs> although after this, I mean, after being there with Cooper, I think I'd have like a little bit of an idea, like a better idea. I know I would know that. Which I didn't know this beforehand. Like you have to take the guts out as soon as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that at yeah. all. I was like, whatever. Uh, yeah. okay. I would at least maybe not be able to, you know, really skin it. But I would let the try to let the meat sit for at least a week because I thought that was really cool. What he yeah. said is, uh, in order to kind of relieve yourself from some of the gaminess, like mm-hmm. you can let it sit there for two weeks Ooh. if you have a cooler. As long as it's at a good temperature. Yeah, I think it's like under forty degrees. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I think I've I've had I've had actually quite a bit of venison, and it's always been really really gamey. Hmm. I think it, that just might be hmm. again, it's never been stuff that I've killed, so right. it might have just been a, a lack of patience on the hunter, or maybe just a lack of knowledge of knowing that. And so um, this year, if I do get a deer, I would love to try all his methods Sweet. out because yeah. he obviously knows what he. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, so. yeah, he does, and I think that's probably. I feel like people who <clears throat> have had venison and it's been gamey is because either it wasn't prepared super well or maybe people just don't know that you can age a deer or you know leave it in your fridge for a week mm-hmm. or two to let some of that gaminess get out and that also tenderizes it as well. Um, but even Kinsey, my wife, she's like, <clears throat> I made some venison burgers the other day from uh, the doe that I shot at the beginning of this hunting season. And after we ate it, she was like, no joke, that was the best burger I've ever had in my life. Mm. Wait, really? It not gamey. It was like, and you mix it with um, beef fat. So I did like a 70-30 mix, venison to beef fat that I bought from a butcher and just grinded it up all together. And that helps it bind together and stay together as well. Mm -hmm. And she was like, that is legit the best burger. What did y'all, did you do like any special like cheese or bread or? I, I mean, I did like a like a brioche bun, and I oh, I, dude, I got some good stuff um, for it. But by itself, even just the meat, like the flavor, all I did was put a little Worcestershire sauce on it, mm-hmm. or however you say that word. I just call it woo sure. sauce. Woo sauce. I like that. And then a little salt and pepper. But dude, yeah. I mean, you don't need to do much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've made uh, last year. I made backstrap steaks for Anna and her family. And I think her little brother, I didn't tell I didn't tell him it was deer steak, and he ate it and just scarfed it down. He like, loved it. I told him, he's like, really? <laughs> he's like, wow. Yeah. I got a new perspective. I know. But, yeah. He, it, it he's all de- from Dallas? or No, her younger brother. So they live in Benville. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. He's had venison before, but he couldn't tell the difference. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. That is cool. Yeah, it's it's all about preparation. If if you get it prepared right, it's usually pretty good. But that's like anything else. Yeah. I mean, you can take a ribeye steak, and if you cook it bad, it's not going to taste good. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Man, that sounds good right now. It really ribeye. Nice little ribeye. Kyle and I are eating pizza rolls <laughs> yeah, fresh out of the air fryer right now. Yeah, we are reliving our teenage years. They're pretty good, aren't they? Pizza rolls in a Coors Light. 
They're pretty I guess good, not huh? teenage. I wasn't drinking Coors Light. <laughs> what was that? I was a teenager. <laughs> pizza rolls You just sure. incriminated yourself. No, Mom, make the pizza rolls and bring a Coors Light. <laughs> yeah, that for sure was happening. <laughs> That's a joke. Not at all. <laughs> Especially when Daniel and I were hanging out at his house. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hang Matthews and Diane. Okay. <laughs> They're bringing down the Coors Light. <laughs> I almost just brought up something super embarrassing, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm going to say Do it real it. quick. Go for it. I was uh, I was over at my parents' house and um, they're like cleaning out the entire house and they've done it like quite frequently lately because all their their kids are out but like they have been going really hard lately like their entire uh, attic is like empty now except for like holiday stuff but my mom was like hey here's all these CDs from your old car and I was like oh my gosh oh my I just, gosh. it took me back down memory lane of like you had to like burn songs onto a disc like I didn't have. <laughs> Like I didn't, I didn't really have a the phone. Didn't do it. I kind of had an iPod, but I didn't have a connection to my car to make it happen. So it was either radio or like burning discs. Yeah. And I found, <laughs> I found a disc where me and you made songs. Oh no! <laughs> you made the songs, or you made the CD? We made songs and we burned them on the CD. Oh, okay. okay. I don't to think listen to. the, the yeah, disc was completely unlabeled. So I think I Good. probably did that so that no one would ever like. Grab it, but I listened to it, man, and I could not get to the second song. <laughs> oh gosh! Now I want to. Good hear times, that. man. Yeah. Really good times. I'll actually, it's in my Is car. In car? <laughs> I'll give it to oh, you. Oh, perfect. We're it's gonna listen so to it after bad. this. <clears throat> That's embarrassing. We'll send a preview at the end of this episode. Yeah, no, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. <clears throat> That's funny. Um, speaking of actually, it's a good transition. High school, JD Dudley. Mm. <laughs> he was your perfect transition. There, go. there you go. Back to the good old days. Dudley was your coach. Yeah. How cool was that for you? Just, I mean, I know you've kept in touch with him, yeah. but sitting down with him again, and we we linked up with him about six months ago, and kind of did that video. So mm-hmm. I know you've stayed in touch with him, but how cool was it just to kind of record an episode with him and yeah. get him on here? Yeah, I think you guys can probably agree he's just the perfect guy that we want to interview. He's so easy to talk to, has really cool stories. Um, and just anytime, you know, I know him really well, but anytime I get to talk to him, it's like I learn something new or I just die laughing all the time. Yeah. Um, so it, it was really cool to to get to share some of those stories that I've heard him tell me to you guys and whoever's listening. Um, and I don't know, I I just really love JD and, and love that he's actually getting to do what he loves too, mm-hmm. which is fishing and making jigs because um, he's coached full-time, like you said, right. for quite a while. And now he's actually in a position where he's starting to be able to fish a little bit more, make jigs, do what he really loves to do. Um, so that was, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. And I love, like, it, it kind of came out of a season where he mentioned it, where he was, like, in between jobs. Mm-hmm. And he was like not really sure what he was gonna do for work, and so he just kind of started. He sat down, and he started tying stuff up again, and um, kind of investing some time into his business, and that in the, in turn grew into what he's doing now, and he's able to split his time between mm-hmm. coaching and D two jigs, and he's kind of setting himself up to, you know, potentially do that full time right in the future. I think that's. I mean, if you're starting something, that's like your dream basically yeah to be able to do do that and be your own boss Mm -hmm. it is cool for for him and i you know went from being a coach to a player to grow that relationship you know we started fishing kind of in high school together we talked about on the podcast but then i you know he he's a really big man of faith he's someone i always looked up Mm -hmm. to someone i could always go and talk to so we kind of kept in touch through college and then here within the last couple years um 
just got super close with them, more so on a friend level than, right. yeah. you know, like a coach player level yeah. like we were. Um, and just now now he's just a really good friend for me and for Anna. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you, he named a jig after you, right, that he sells? He said he did. I, okay. I don't know if that made it to the website. I need to figure that out. Um, I feel like I remember seeing it on on really? the website. Yeah, I'm gonna go and look to see if it's. He on told there. he told me that I think I did make the jig. Like I told him what to what colors to put together, and he would name it after me. Mm-hmm. And I told him, but I didn't think anything ever came of it. I'm gonna go look. I'm on his page right now, and I've seen. I think I've seen the Hester jig. Mm-hmm. Yep, here's Hester's jig, which it looks like it's an all white Maribou jig with some black speckles on the head. And then... Any tree jig? I don't see a tree jig, man. I'm sorry. You must have been on here at some point because I feel like I saw it. They're probably sold out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably... Yeah. He had to pull them. They're so hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. But, but his his most popular jig is the Arkansas Minnow. Arkansas jig. Minnow, yeah. Okay. that That's a good one. That color is like a olive and... Is it a peach kind of color mm-hmm. or... I'm looking at it. It's kind of yeah. He calls it a he calls it a color. I can't remember what it is. It, I mean, it looks fishy. It looks like something that you see real fishy in the in the creeks around here. Yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. Um, I I hadn't reached out to him. Did you guys see he posted? He actually fished in that tournament the other day yeah. on Tanicomo. How'd they do? Did he say seventh place? Seventh. He actually it was really funny. On one of his photos, they like him and his dad are holding up the place or whatever. And he like has his finger over the seventh. So <laughs> You need to let him know that you saw that. I know. You caught that. Yeah, he he, he did. did say he like put a little video out and he was yeah, like, okay. "We didn't hunt our, or we didn't fish our best, but we had a good time." And it looked freezing. Yeah, mm-hmm. his dad was in like uh, snowboard goggles. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's how it was. Whenever I fished with him in high school, it was that same tournament. Oh, man, and he gave me like all this Gore-Tex gear. And yeah. have you seen those face mat? They look like dirt bike helmets that people wear. Whenever it's yes. cold out, you know oh, what I'm okay. talking about? Yes. It basically just blocks the wind from your face. I think that's what um, his, his dad was wearing. Yeah. And it it's very necessary this time of year. That's intense. Mm-hmm. What was that tournament like? I mean, I, it sounds like he fishes. Is that the only one he fishes every year? Does he do a couple a year? I think there's what are a those series up like? there. Um, I think it's a series. I'm not sure how many there are a year. Um, I know he always fishes this one, though. Because you actually In went and fished with January him. January or February, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but that's cool i i would i think it'd be fun to do a tournament i did one time i did a, a bass tournament with um matt hodges <laughs> and we bought a we bought a like little um flat bottom john boat i remember that boat i went fishing with you guys on it did you okay wait is this the boat that was detached after your bachelor party uh yes yes that boat what you, tell your story and then we'll tell that one so we took that boat over to um bob kid lake you know that one over in prairie grove i remember this story keep going okay i remember this we went over to bob kid and we just like matt and i we went halfsies on this boat and it was so cheap we got halfsies. a great deal on it and um <laughs> honestly the guy should have charged us more but we found it on facebook so we go over to this bass tournament and we just put our name in the hat and i think it was like you know First 30 people or 20 people to get there, you know, you can sign up. I don't think there was a website or anything like that. So we go, we sign up, and we're just like, oh, we'll just go have fun. We'll go, we'll try to fish. And we go out there. I don't catch a fish all day long. Mm -hmm. But Matt 
absolutely slayed it, dude. He like right in the first thirty minutes, he pulled in two hogs, like four <laughs> plus pounds each. Pulled them into the boat, and he just he caught a few like the rest of the day. And we come back, and there's guys out there with their thirty thousand dollar bass boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all their like you have like a nine point nine horsepower. Oh yeah. Ours was a five and a half. So we're, we're like putting across the lake. And uh, it's a small lake, so thankfully. You're yelling at them for their wakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, we get back to the weigh-in because I think it was weigh-in and it was best three fish or something like that. And, you know, so we he pulls out the two big ones and we weigh. And we freaking won that tournament, <laughs> dude. And everyone is looking at us. We're like in a $1,000 John vote. And everyone's. You didn't catch a fish. I didn't catch anything. No, I was lost out there, and Matt just slayed it. But yeah, we ended up winning that last tournament. It's the only tournament I've ever fished. I have the funniest image in my head of like they're they're like three, two, one, and all the boats just bolt out of there. (laughs) (laughs) We like can't get it started. We're trying to get across. Oh man. man, I love that boat. That was fun for actually while it lasted. I'm surprised that it wasn't very expensive because it's actually like a pretty nice looking boat. Yeah, least. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it got the job done. I mean, we were able to take it out on little lakes. Mm-hmm. We took it over the wide a couple times, yeah. not on big water or anything like that, but it did did the job, and yeah. we caught a bunch of fish out of that boat. Set a few trot lines, mm-hmm. pulled in just a lot, a lot of catfish on those trot lines, but. Great boat. You don't need much. That's the that's the not moral much. of the story. Yeah, you don't have to spend a whole lot. On okay, them. real quick story about that boat. Boat detached at the, bachelor well, party. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that's how it, that's how the preview was. But we were at Veet's uh, bachelor party. We rented like a cabin on the white, right? Yeah, it was really it was a sick cabin. And uh, the first night we get there, we're hanging out, um, and then the next morning we have like a a fishing trip, right? Yeah, planned with a. a I don't think he. He wasn't on the boats with us, was it? We just no. It, you can rent the boats from. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now. It's over in Buffalo City. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, Riley's Riley's, Riley's Outfitters. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I think we rented like two or three, but Matt brought the boat, right? And so we fish. It was it was fun. I don't know if a lot of people caught anything, but um, I had to actually head out early because I had school work. But Lame. it starts just like raining, mm, like he left my I know. So <laughs> I actually felt horrible. Actually. That's a whole nother story. I had to go back and finish a project, and my professor was supposed to open the building for us to go and work, and she didn't. So I actually went back for no reason. Oh. I was, I was. Very you didn't have anything to do, did you? You what? just left the bachelor program. No, I actually he did just, have. A, he I actually did have a huge project. He did have a huge project. I had to do, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I wouldn't have left. But it starts raining, and I leave, and um, so I wouldn't hear for the story, but I've heard. AD tell the story quite a bit, and he just, like, dies laughing. But anyway, next morning, uh, AD, Hunter Pauling, mm-hmm. and Matt are all riding together, and AD, like, helps, you know, Matt get the boat, uh, you know, hooked up to his truck, and he's like... <laughs> <The> trailer. <laughs> Matt's like, is it is it looking good? And AD's like, yeah, sure, whatever. AD doesn't know. AD doesn't know, right? And so they drive all the way back, and it's like, you know, Matt, like, makes some random comments, like, man, that boat's moving. <laughs> like, it seems like it's, like, <laughs> moving a little bit more... They get back, and it's completely detached. The only thing that is attached is one of the chains. It, it's like, <laughs> like the front. Oh, the trailer? Of The, the trailer's hooked up, but the, the boat yeah. is on the trailer. But it's a light boat. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not a heavy boat. <laughs> yeah. So it can easily, like, shift around on those bunks <laughs> on the trailer. And I remember that. All, the only thing that was attached to it was, like, the front 
hook that goes okay, on the yeah. nose of the boat. There was no like straps the, on the back. Or no nothing. straps. And we had always strapped down because it was a light <laughs> yeah. boat. And um, we didn't have anything securing it. And so, yeah, that thing was like flying around. <laughs> I just remember they said like when they got back, Matt was like, oh, he's like, I can't do anything about it now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad we it made it back. Yeah. But it could have been really bad. But Yeah. But mm. it was fun. But all that to say, that we brought we were talking about the tournament. <laughs> yeah, deadly. <laughs> we got a little sidetracked. Yeah, deadly. Um, but the yeah, I would love to go fish that tournament. I don't know if is that something that anybody can sign up for. Like I don't if we know. Want to go fish that with Dudley? Could I, th- we? I think so. It is a select group of them up there. I know that does it. Um, I can't remember the name of the the dock. Lily's. Does that sound familiar? Lily's Landing. Yeah. Or it's at Lake Tenicamo. Tani- Lily's Landing is. Um, a resort up in like Branson or something. Oh, is well, that Tanny Como? That's Tanny Como. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that might be it. Okay, but anyways, it's at this one dock that they always do tournaments at, and it's kind of the same group of guys that that fish it. That huge brown trout that was caught up there a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? No, I it don't. was like a pound or two off the world record. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dang, really? You have to look it up. Um, but it was from that that group up there, and they all fish jigs. I don't know if really. I don't know what the like uh, rules are for it if there's fly fishing allowed or yeah you know if you have to use artificial lures things like that is that the one yep that's a big old fish <laughs> that is holy cow it's mm-hmm. like two guys holding that thing up yeah that was count- caught in tiny coma like two years ago three years wow ago. That's, yeah, that's massive. massive yeah yeah i think it's second in the world behind a new zealand fish mm. so i have a question for you adam because you've fished the jigs. I actually haven't fished the jigs, mm-hmm. except for maybe one day when we were out on the white. I think I tried yeah. them on your rod for a little bit. And we it, that was just, I don't think anybody caught anything that day. Well, you did. You yeah. caught a few with the jigs. But did you notice, like, did you just start, did you start catching more fish when you started fishing those jigs? Or did, was it just a change of, of technique? Because it sounds like, obviously, Dudley's a pro and he knows what he's doing. But yeah. the, the numbers that he's talking about, he's just catching He's yeah. slaying them. Well, I, I say yes. I started catching a lot more fish whenever I used them, mainly because I'd never really trout fished before. The only trout fishing I'd do was power bait or whatever below the dam, you know, yeah. tie a sinker out there and, right. and let it float. Um, but the first day that I that I went with the jigs was that tournament, and I was trying to learn it the whole day. I only caught a few. I caught that one good one. Yeah. 19-inch um, brown, right? 19 yeah. and a three-quarters? Yeah. I got a picture I'll show you later. That's a really good fish. Mm. Um, first one. Yeah, and after that, you know, I, I really loved it. I didn't really go a whole bunch until a couple of years ago. I started going again with him. Um, and, yeah, from anything I had experienced trout fishing, I caught a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take that with a grain of salt because I'm not a huge trout fisherman. Yeah. But I will say whenever I do go now, like below Beaver, there will be guides out there, people out there we're just talking to. They're like, yeah, we spent all day barely scratched out a limit and on our first pass we have like 30 fish dang so i think it's hit and miss or not hit and miss but you know sometimes they're better than others yeah yeah Um, that makes sense like for you guys whenever you fly fish down there you can't have 100 fish days pretty i guess easily or regularly it doesn't happen a lot i again though like i'll go out there and i'm i never i really don't count like I, ne- I never keep count, um, mm-hmm. but there are days when I've been out there and we'll catch like fifty fish in three hours, yeah. four hours. Like you can add them up, but I don't think I've ever had a hundred plus fish day. Yeah. That and, would take all day. And every time I've been fished with Dudley, 
I've never counted just because there's so many and I really don't mm-hmm. care to keep yeah. count. Yeah. And he, he's in the back, well, we got 72 today. Yeah. <laughs> like, since when were you counting? Yeah. <laughs> he's got a clicker in his, yeah. in his back pocket. No, I believe it because it's not like he's exaggerating or anything. He really does catch this many fish and hopefully you guys will get to go out with mm-hmm. him one day. Yeah, um, I would love to. Like one time we went out just below Beaver and it's whenever they weren't running any water. So we were just kind of trolling around. Right. And I wouldn't cast it like you would, you know, it's sight fishing. Yeah. So you would, you know, cast it to the fish you want to catch. And I wouldn't cast it to several places just because I didn't want to catch a little bitty fish. Because yeah. I knew that I was going to. Right. Um, so if that says anything about how many fish we catch down there. Yeah. With, using his jigs, it's pretty cool. Is it is it pretty easy to pick up? Like could any anyone who's not really been fishing before... Mm. go pick it up or do you kind of have to because i know he talked a lot about he's using light line he's using yeah an anti-reverse he's he's got a pretty you know pretty good system down but mm-hmm. is it something that anyone could pick up and go out there yeah. and catch a few fish on yeah i'd say anybody can um you definitely have an advantage if you know fishing and know yeah how to work a rod how to work a jig um but my wife anna she's caught probably 20 fish on the jig yeah. 10 to 20 yeah. and she doesn't you know she fishes occasionally. She goes with me, um, but she does it, and she is very inexperienced, I guess, with trout fishing. So, yeah, anybody can learn to do it. It's just a matter of how long it takes to figure out the technique that works best. Yeah. But I'll show you the picture. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to see it. I probably You probably showed it to me at some point before, but I'd love to see. There she is. There she is. So that's mm-hmm. Anna and you. Yeah, y'all went out with y'all went with Dudley. No, this is just with one of our buddies who had a boat and uh, blow beaver one night. Nice, yeah. very cool. It's fun going fishing with. I, I've taken Kinsey up to the tailwaters a couple of times mm-hmm. and just. I mean, being outside, just getting out there is fun. But yeah. especially when you can get a few on and pull them in, it kind of makes it a little bit more exciting. It's really fun in the summer too because, like, the summer there's not a whole bunch. Like. You can go wade in the creek and yeah. fish, and it feels fine. But everything else you do is just so hot. Yeah, it's not hunting season, but we always love to go down there summer evenings, whenever it is. Just the cool off the water feels nice, and yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you like, Daniel, about Dudley's episode, or what did you take away? Because you you get to obviously you're here with us every time we record. You're not on the mic always, but you're uh, you're sitting there listening. Mm-hmm. What what did you take away, or what did you learn at least? <clears throat> Um, I, well, I got to hear a lot of really cool stories. Yeah. Um, even off the mic, um, probably something that, uh, I don't know if this is exactly something that I learned, but something that I appreciate about Dudley <clears throat> is like he, he, his main, um, his main function, even with fishing. And this is how it was when he was a coach as well. is like teaching you. Yeah. So he, he was my basketball coach my senior year when Adam was a sophomore, and so I got one year of him, and he was just, like, so good at just explaining, like, difficult things really easily. Mm-hmm. And just hearing his stories about, you know, he talked about the <clears throat> the story with the father and son who went out there, and the father was like, oh, I, I know how to fish. And then, you know, like, two hours in, his son's caught, like, 20 fish, and he's like, all right, I want to learn. <laughs> okay. So I think Dudley's, he has the gift of, like, being able to teach at, like, four or five different levels of uh, experience crack it open baby the mountains are blue, um like i don't know if you ever watch those youtube vi- videos it's like an astrophysicist explains it to like 
five different levels. So it's like beginner, intermediate, oh, no, and expert. They're actually really fascinating. But I feel like Dudley <laughs> could do that with like um with like jig fishing. Yeah. Like he could do that with like name the best jig fisherman in the world. He could have like a yeah. like an on level conversation with the guy. But he also could explain it to like an eight year old. Maybe and like, he makes right. you want to go do it too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does actually. Mm-hmm. Um I do think I would actually be a horrible client for him because he even said like you know when the client's like I don't care to catch anything yeah, like it's a bad day out here. I'd be like dude honestly like I legit might not even bring a rod I'd just go out and hang <laughs> like, so maybe I would be a bad client for you but um, I think one of the things um, y'all might have to help me fill in the the blanks here but you talked about um, how the different water levels affect the way you fish yeah yeah um, I. I'd never, I didn't know that at all. I really? had no idea that. Yeah. I also didn't, don't think I knew that people really fished during the winter. I just kind of assumed the fish mm-hmm. would hide away mm-hmm. around the banks and just kind of not, obviously, like you could still catch them, but like they would really hide. So I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So that was cool just to talk about winter fishing. I think there's a lot, I think you're not alone. I think there's a lot of people who they associate fishing with it's hot outside, you're at the lake, mm-hmm. you're catching bass, you know. It's just a summer activity or spring activity. Um, but, yeah, with trout, it's you really can't, and especially around here with the situation that we have with tailwaters, the reason why you can fish year-round for trout is, one, trout like cold water. Um, that kind of temperature range from, like, 47 to 55 or whatever um, of water temp, they like that. And it's the perfect temperature because... It's the tailwaters, which is just a river that comes out of the bottom of a lake, a dam, is always cold because it's being released out of the bottom of the, the mm-hmm. lake. And so it stays in that really constant temperature. And <clears throat> all year long, those fish have to eat, and they're eating bugs and fish and whatever's coming through um, through the dam or just hatching in the stream. And so, yeah, you can. You can go mm-hmm. fish in the middle of a snowstorm, and you yeah. can limit out. And it's crazy. It's not like any type of bass fishing or any yeah. other thing. Like and these that. fish have to stay active too because they always have running water. They always, you know, depending on the water levels, they can't just kind of stay stagnant like lake fish can. Right. Like deep or wherever it may be. Um, so going along with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And and water levels is everything. Like yeah. on tailwaters when they're generating. And it's it, part of it's safety. You, you got to be safe and know what's going on when you're on a tailwater because – Water rises fast, and when they release water, that water can go up mm-hmm. six feet in ten minutes. We were out there, and it, the, the horn sounded, whatever, yeah. and you're like, we need to go. I'm like, how fast could it be? Yeah. And literally, people behind us had to, like, tread the river. They had to, like, yeah. start swimming I to get that across. Day. I remember that day. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is... It can be dangerous. <sighs> yeah, it really can it, be. It can be. Um, and if you're not close enough to the dam to hear the horn, mm-hmm. you don't have a warning. Like you're just you could be a, a mile downstream from where you crossed and you can't get back over. Um, what so, would you do? Just you would just have to wait it out. Like you could, well, you, like you, what's the cycle? Does, when does it stop? Does it? It depends. Um, and dams are they they release energy with um I, you know I'm not a scientist or anything, but it's like hydroelectric power. Mm. That's how dams work. Aquamarine, <laughs> water, and <laughs> electricity. Um, so they have like a power demand schedule um, that they go off of, but it's random. So you wouldn't wait it out. Probably you would probably just like go walk to a house on the other side of the river and try to get a ride back to your truck. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Oh, Daniel. That was so good. 
Nah, dude, add him with the joke as well. That was good. That was good. <laughs> What's yours, man? I appreciate it. My takeaway from Dudley? No, no, no. Well, yeah, that just, <laughs> I was going to say your, your pun, your one-liner. But no, yeah, what's your takeaway? Um, my takeaway was I really got hooked on Jake Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You like that? That was good. Hey, that was good. No, I want to go jig fishing. I, I haven't done it a lot. I want to go try it out, and those jigs just seem to be money. Yeah, I will say we brought it up a little bit in his podcast or his episode we should all go try and break his world record. Yeah. Oh, that's a white bass. Idea. Daniel should be the one to do it. Dude, you oh, funny man. First fish ever to because, catch is like a world record. Yeah. You've caught fish for yeah, okay, come sorry. on. I'll give you some credit. Although I've been with you twice and I'm over, so. That's not my fault. Oh, either that, I was catching fish. Either that or we should look for just world records who that are completely overlooked. That would be fun. That's why I guess he kind of said that's kind of what he does, yeah. Yeah. right? That's what he did a couple when of he went them, to yes. Alaska. Yeah, it would be yeah. cool though. Really cool if you and him went out there and we like videoed it and you a heavyweight battle. <laughs> yeah. We have a belt. That would actually be awesome. That would be cool. That would be fun. Mm. I don't think I could outfish him head to head. Yeah, but yeah, he might go overboard or something. I don't know. <laughs> you might accidentally, you know. Psh, oops. Yeah, sorry. That could be fun. That would yeah, be a blast. Be mm-hmm. Let's talk about Devin Hallen. Okay. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, Devin Hallen, he's the owner of Ozark Archery. Um, this is, that's our most recent episode, if you just listen. And um, like we said, really rich, lots of information, probably a, a, like a really a lot for mm-hmm. someone who's not an archer. Um, but Adam, for someone who is an archer, and, and as the guy who you you reached out to him, you're the kind of the yeah. one who found out about him. What did you like about sitting down with Yeah, with I mean, even for me, I'm a, I'm a huge archery, archery guy, and it was still a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Just because the level of detail he does, he has so much knowledge about bow hunting and archery equipment that I don't think I have knowledge about any subject more than he does archery. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he could just talk forever about it and all new things. Um, So that really tells me um, just how much actually goes can go into archery and bow hunting. And he really summed it up well. I forget exactly what he said. Um, but why would you, you know, you do all the work to hunt an animal, mm-hmm. you do all the work to chase an animal and it all comes down to one moment to shoot the animal or harvest the animal. You know, why would you take that risk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of letting your bow or your machine fail you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, that's when he said, I thought it was really cool. I think it was around that conversation about the idea of. You're never you yourself are never going to be a perfect shot, but there's no reason why your bow couldn't mm-hmm. get to perfection because it's a machine. Yeah, and so even just hearing him talk, if you if you decide to go with him and let him super tune your bow, like he's going to take so much like time and fine detail. Like I would, I trust him. Right, like he has such integrity with it that it's like, if I ever get into bow hunting, man, like you're the guy. Yeah, I'm going to come talk <clears throat> to you because I might not know half what you're saying, but I trust what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And I think his whole like business is kind of built on bow shops not one not doing it but two not being able to give you the amount of time that mm-hmm. each person needs. Right. Because he even said it what he does is not profitable because yeah. he spends so much time and and like just effort on your bow that there's no way he can make enough money unless he charges like a ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah. that just speaks a lot to what he does and how much he's committed to making making sure your equipment works properly. Yeah. 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 It's like 
you kind of think about him like a doctor, like a like a medical doctor. You want your medical doctor to know so much. Like you want him yeah. to know way, way more than you. And otherwise you're like, I don't trust you. Like, cause yeah. you, I don't know what I'm talking about. And if we have the same level of knowledge, then I don't feel like you're very qualified, but he's like, honestly, like a bow doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he Dr. can, Bo. he can fix, he can find kind of diagnose, put everything back together, how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and, and make it to where it functions. Like you said, Daniel, like yeah. how it's supposed to, because it's a machine and it shouldn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You should be the only one making mistakes. Were there any tips for y'all as like bow hunters that you could just easily take away from that conversation and be like, Oh, that's something that I could apply now. Or is that, it was it even more just not applicable stuff is just like so fine-tuned no i think for me there there's a lot i think if if you can if you can pull yourself out of like the details um the biggest thing for me besides you know obviously you want to make sure you have a decently tuned bow that is um shooting properly especially if you're going to put so much time into hunt into hunting and and you know spending money on gas and food and all the stuff, trail cams, all the stuff that goes into hunting. It's important to have a tuned bow. But I think for me, the importance of having a well-built arrow that is um, the right stiffness, it's everything is straight. You've got, you know, it flies through the air well, the veins are right, the broadhead's level and, mm-hmm. and it's rotating fine. Like I think that's the biggest takeaway for me and, and probably the main takeaway going into the next hunting season. Cause I've just, the last couple of years I've been hunting with just pretty cheap arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not bad, but it's like the basic gold temp gold tip hunters mm-hmm. that are like, they're not the straightest, um, but they're 12 bucks, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the expensive arrows, they're nicer, but they do cost more money. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like, okay, maybe it's actually worth like it's, but it's worth spending the money to get a nice arrow to then go hunt with. Yeah, because wasn't he saying he would much rather someone spend money on arrows than a nice bow? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's what he was saying. Yeah. yeah. He was like, go buy a $400 bear um, from mm-hmm. Cabela's and then spend money on your arrows because it'll be worth it. Because a bear can tune, it can shoot, like you're going to be fine. But if you've got good arrows, you're going to be much better mm-hmm. off. And I think that's what my problem was this last year. I mentioned it on the podcast. I had a spiral in when I visualize the shot when I shot the buck that I shot this year I, my arrow was spiraling the whole way and it's bothered me ever since and I was lucky enough to kill that deer but very well could have you know not I could have mm-hmm. missed or I could have mm-hmm. worse hit the deer and it not died um and that's just kind of bothered me so going into next season and, and he even said it he was like I think if I had to bet your problem was probably your arrow wasn't tuned or your arrow yeah. wasn't aligned more so than your bow yeah mm. So that was my take. <clears throat> yeah. A big change for me I'm going to do this year is fixed broadheads, fixed blade broadheads. Um, hearing him talk about it, hearing everyone kind of, everyone is kind of switching back to the fixed blade. Yeah. You shoot it, don't you? Yeah, I do. Shoot fixed blade. Yeah. That's what I did like my first, you know, when I first started bow hunting, just because it's, I kind of used whatever was around for my family and stuff. And then I switched to shooting rage to blade. And I have never had a problem with it, so I've never, you know, had a reason to leave that or had a reason to not shoot fit or to shoot an expandable broadhead. Yeah. But thinking about it and thinking or hearing him talk about it, all it takes is one time of me shooting the biggest deer I've ever shot and, you know, and not finding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'll wish that 
that I shot fixed blade. Yeah. Yeah. So, it only takes one. Yeah. I think I'm going to commit to switching this off season, <laughs> whatever that entails, whatever broadhead that is. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to find one. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about, um, like arrow penetration and how important that is. And he, I, it was funny. He was like, someone will say, you know, they're shooting a expandable broadhead that's got a four inch cutting radius and they shoot a deer and they and they hit him and they go, oh man, I smoked him. He was like, no, you didn't <laughs> call the dogs. Yeah. I thought that was so funny because it was like, it goes four inches into him and it doesn't blow through the other side. And he's like, you want that full pass yeah. through. And See, I, I still, I just don't know how to feel about that because everyone is so passionate People who know the difference are very passionate about fixed blade. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, but I have plenty of proof. I, I, I'm gonna actually pull up some pictures and show you that damage that the rage has done. Like, yeah. Oh, I believe it. Wounds just that bit. Like, yeah, it's massive. So it's hard for me to switch because I've been so passionate about it. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm ready. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's a ton of people who shoot expandables and they work and they do have. The reason why people like them is because they cut three inches wide versus a broadhead. Well, and you is, don't have to practice with them. That's a big part. Oh, and they fly like a field point. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they obviously work. Um, but like you said, you and you may never run into a problem. You may never have a problem where, you know, your blades don't expand and you never mm-hmm. have that issue. But um, But then again, you could, like it could happen and, I think it's less likely with a fixed blade for that stuff yeah. to, to happen. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to find this picture. I tweeted it a lo- like when I, whenever I first made my Twitter. I tweeted it to Rage Broadheads. <laughs> the shot, pic- like the picture of the wound. Yeah, how long ago was it? They retweeted it. Oh, look, here's me and Dudley. Wow, that is so. People young. can't see this, but you look, you look Binberg. <laughs> Binberg. So many names. Binberg. So many names today. Yeah. Hmm. But anyways, we can look at it later. But yeah, that's cool. That that's something that that I took away. And then another thing I took away from him was, you know, he's so knowledgeable about everything, but he won't touch everything on the bow. Mm. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, he was talking about he he wouldn't touch the rest. Like he wouldn't move that side. Correct. Side. Yes, that that's perfect example. He knows for a Matthews bow and for Hoyt it'll be different, but I just know from a Matthews it's thirteen sixteenths of an inch from. For center shot, okay, from the riser, from the riser. So a lot of times, bow shops, that's a quick fix to get a bullet hole, you know, in a paper tune. So a lot of times, um, bow techs and bow shops will just move your rest a little bit. But he knows that is where it was built to be, and that's where it's built to be center shot. Mm-hmm. So why would you adjust that? Yeah. Um, so, and he mentioned several other things. I don't know. Well, he was talking. Well, he. He said because of that, he uses top hat shims. Is that top hats? Which so I don't know what that is. That's a Matthew specific thing. I think another company does top hats too, but it's basically just if you think of like a spacer in your cams, mm-hmm. it's like that that's adjustable. You can move them to either side of the cam. Okay. Um, and yeah, I don't know the intricates of exactly how to adjust the cams, adjust yeah. cam timing, but. Um, I know top hats or Matthews, and I don't know what Hoy does. But. Okay, I don't either. I don't either. I, I am, I am the guy who could learn a lot from Devin because he was talking about like people should know how to put a D loop on their string, and I was like, <laughs> I've never tried. 
I it's probably, really easy. It's probably easy. Yeah. I've just never tried because, you know, I've had that bow for just a couple of years and I've only needed to replace the D-loop once and I just went to my bow shop and I was like, I need a D-loop and I yeah. need to get these two other things and so I just had them do it. But um, but yeah, it, he, I don't know. He just, he he's, it sounds like he's big on encouraging people to like do a little bit with their own bow and get a bow press and, yeah. you know, take the time to just learn a little bit about your equipment. Yeah. I'm glad we never brought up crossbows. I wonder what his opinion is on crossbows. <laughs> I don't know. We should have <laughs> asked him. Something that, one of the things that I appreciate of about Devin, and I'll just share like a personal experience of mine because he is like, he he was, if I had known about him a year ago or a year and a half ago, I would have been like pumped. I would have called him immediately because about a year and a half ago, I had a really bad tear when I was trying to paper tune in my backyard. And I went through so, I went to like two or three different bow shops and they would adjust something. I'd come home and, you know, they'd get it right there. But then I'd come home, I'd like put on my phone, I'd do a slow-mo video of me shooting the arrow and it would still have a wiggle and I would still have a spiral and I would still have a tear and all this stuff was going on. And I was trying to do all this stuff, like research on YouTube. And I ended up spending so much time and I lost so much confidence in my Mm -hmm. shot. And it was right before deer season. And I was like, man, like, I don't even know if I should go hunting right now. Cause yeah, I can hit the target, but I'm super inconsistent. I'm overthinking this. I don't, at this point, like, I don't know if my draw length is right. I don't know if my peep is in the right spot. And I had just moved so many things that I was like, who can I go to, to get Mm -hmm. an answer of like, am I, Dr. Bo. I should have gone to the bow doctor, man. Um, and Devin would have been a perfect person. And it sounds like he kind of, not that same experience, but that's like the reason why he started what he's doing is because mm-hmm. there's not anybody to spend that time to, yeah. to work on your bow with you and, and let you know that like, nope, it's, you know, that your bow is right. Like if you have issues, you can just work on your form, you can practice. And if I had known that, a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have gone through all the steps and spent all the money I did to get everything in spec and, and working mm-hmm. right. And so yeah. anyways, I, I'm just, I'm excited about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he can make that business as big as he wants to. Yes. Yeah, as big as he wants to because exactly. it takes a lot of time. And it sounds like he has a pretty interesting job and full-time mm-hmm. job for sure. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if he keeps up with the demand of his clients. Yeah, um, absolutely. Daniel, speaking of, do you think you're going to be a bow hunter? Um, I have not decided yet, <sighs> to be honest. I haven't thought about it. Yeah. I got um, an old bow you can use if you just want to shoot it. Honestly, that sounds awesome. That may be a great way to just get started. Yeah. yeah. And it's super easy. I can set up the draw length without even a bow press. So Cool. Yeah, that Yeah, we can get it set up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get you shooting. I'm a bow hunter. Yeah. Robin Hood. Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. I, I feel like you'd enjoy it just because... I think it would. Um, it's it's honestly, it's like... it's Rifle hunting is where obviously a lot of people start just because it's simple. Um, you know, it's point and shoot, pull the trigger most times. So, uh, But mm-hmm. when I started bow hunting, I feel like you, you kind of... I definitely took a next level into like appreciating deer hunting a lot more realizing how close I need to be, how the mm-hmm. stars have to align sometimes to get everything, mm-hmm. you know, timing-wise, everything in the right place, the right shot placement, and, and all the stuff that goes into it. Um, so I think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Archery is fun, too, like not even hunting aspect. I, I love archery. I, when I was younger, 
I always had a bow, and I would just like go shoot. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I could see you loving that, and just people shoot all the time. You know, Skylar Hudson, name drop. He was like he had one of the best shots that I've seen, and he would bow hunt occasionally, but he just loved to shoot long, long distance shoot, target shoot, three D. But people love to do that. You brought out your bow. What was it like two years ago out to the cabin, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just, I remember it was like me and Colton were out there or something. Yeah. And I loved it. I it was, was just like, you, shooting. me, and I think AD was out there with us. Yeah. And AD was horrible. No offense. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I wasn't good, but it was just so, it was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Yeah. Man. Like, this is really cool. And that was way before I was even thinking about getting into hunting. So, yeah. Now, you know. Hey, now you got no excuse now. I'll you, take you up on it. You got a, all right. You got a bow. Let's do it. Over here. For real. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's hop into. Uh, we've got some shout outs to do. We've got some some new patrons on our Patreon mm-hmm. website to shout out mm-hmm. to. And um, we've got a few reviews um, that we're going to read to y'all from some of our listeners as well. Um, so, shout out to our new Patreon or patron. I think it's patron. Yeah. Patron. New patron. Yeah. So Patreon. Patron. Patron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to our new patron. Um, shout out to our new patron. <laughs> Connor Veet, and he's my brother. <laughs> but but he's um he was he was watching one of our our episodes, our video episodes, and he realized that to watch the full length episode, um, he needed to be a patron and go sign up. And uh, I was telling him that, and he was like, "What else do I get?" And so you get a ten percent discount on all of our merchandise. You get a free sticker every single month. And he was like, "Oh man, I'm going to sign up for the." Like the sticker alone, that's worth it. And but, they're all different, right? And they're all different. There you go. Yeah, we won't send you the same sticker every single yeah. month. Um, <laughs> Unless that's all we have. <laughs> they are cool, though. Just kidding. Speaking of, Daniel is a great graphic designer, and he makes some sweet logos and details. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel has like come a long way, too, from even where he started <laughs> with graphic design. But the stickers you've been putting out and like the logos and all the stuff is looks super good. So if you want some really cool, like um, the last one you did was like a fish. Mm-hmm. Fishing from sun up to sundown. It's got mm. this really cool pattern on it. Yeah, I'm excited about that style because we've done. We have mm. like a bear in that one. We have a deer. Yeah, uh, we have a couple. We have squirrels yeah. as well. So I'm excited to do more in that style. But yeah, new stickers. New stickers every month, and they'll be inland stickers. They'll be podcast stickers. We'll switch it up and um, send you those, and they'll they'll all be kind of Ozark inspired somewhat. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you, Connor. Thanks for signing up for the patron. We will remember you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm just going to read two reviews. But these, I thought this one was really, this was cool. Uh, interesting people, interesting stories, and hosts so welcome. I feel like I'm sitting at the table with them. Okay. Wow. From like KP underscore 1007. I love it. Thank you, KP. Uh, this one's from Fet Nation. Uh, great t- content. Love hearing all there is in the Ozarks as a Texas native and world hunter. I love hearing of the adventures in my adulthood hmm. home. Nice. He's a That's world awesome. hunter. We need to get him on. Yeah, we do need to What kind of worlds do you think he hunts? <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> Goes to like Mars. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, that's good to hear. Good feedback for us, definitely. And yeah, I, thank you guys. I, I like hearing that um, we we make a make it easy for people to feel mm-hmm. like they're sitting with us and talking mm-hmm. with us. Yeah. That's kind of our goal. We want we want y'all to feel involved in in, in this with us. So um, thank you guys for for leaving the reviews and um, giving us some good yeah, feedback. For sure. Mm-hmm. And going off that, I think it'd be great to hear from you guys to know who you guys want to hear from. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely uh, anybody that you guys like. Even if 
maybe we don't interview him now. We will later, whatever it might be. Just send it over to Daniel. Probably he'll go through them. Look, look yeah, send him. it. Send it to our email. Um, those are podcasts at gmail dot com. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, even if you don't know the person, like if you're just like, oh man, this guy, I've heard of him, and I think he might be a cool interview. We'll reach out to him. We'll we'll <laughs> see. Um, we'll see what he's about, and uh, we'll just we'll put the pieces together. And maybe we'll have him on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you leave a five-star review and email us a screenshot along with your mailing address to theozarkpodcast at gmail.com, we'll send you an absolutely free waterproof Ozark podcast sticker. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, full-length video episodes, exclusive discounts on merch, and free stuff, head on over to our Patreon website, which you can find the link to in our show notes. Check us out on Instagram and on our website at www.inland-us.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.